Hello and welcome to the iCrack podcast series from the CCW with your host, Professor Noel Sharkey. In this episode, we'll be looking at an area rarely discussed at the CCW, international human rights law and the use of so-called less-than-lethal weapons. I have two guests for you this time, Rasha Abdul-Rahim from Amnesty International and Dr. Steve Wright from Leeds Beckett University in the UK. But before I speak to them, I'll tell you a little bit about the issues and problems for human rights here. Now, the CCW itself is almost exclusively concerned with international humanitarian law, or IHL as everybody here calls it. That's the laws of war, the Geneva Convention and the various treaties. But right back at the start of the Stop the Killer Robots campaign in May 2012, the issues were put before the United Nations Human Rights Council. Law Professor Christoph Haynes, the UN Special Rapporteur for Extrajudicial Killing and Summary Executions, delivered a report calling for a moratorium on research and development of lethal autonomous robots, as he called them, until there was proper international discussion about whether we should proceed with them or not. His main issues concerned the right to life and the right to die a dignified death. Is it the ultimate human indignity to delegate the decision to kill someone to a machine? Of course, there are other human rights concerns here, such as the right to liberty, autonomy and peaceful protest. The worry is that if we allow the development and production of lethal autonomous weapons systems for armed conflict, they will come back to haunt the civilian world and create a creeping authoritarianism, even with the great democracies. Of course, they could be a very popular tool with oppressive regimes for policing, border control, to stop people getting out or getting in. And don't forget, robots obey orders to kill without question. They don't mutiny and they have no morals or compassion to hold them back, unlike human soldiers. And the truth is, even if we succeed soon to get a prohibition of autonomous weapon systems at the CCW, it will most likely only be under international humanitarian law. In other words, for armed conflict. What we really need is a treaty to prohibit their use in all circumstances. Okay. So my first guest is Rasha Abdul-Rahim. Rasha is a campaigner in the arms control, security trade and human rights team of Amnesty International. Her job is to create campaign and advocacy strategies for various arms control issues, including work for the organization's international campaign that resulted in the adoption of the Arms Trade Treaty in 2013. Now, I know that Amnesty International has a much broader concern about autonomous weapons than the CCW is dealing with. So I started out by asking Russia to tell us about some of these issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Amnesty International, we believe that fully autonomous weapon systems wouldn't be able to comply with IHL. They wouldn't be able to comply with the principles of proportionality, of necessity, of precaution. And similarly, we feel that their use in law enforcement operations is just as daunting, if not more daunting. Uh, we've seen with drones uh, how they're not just used in, in warfare. Um, drones initially were only going to be used for surveillance and now they've been armed and widely used for targeted killings and other human rights violations. We believe the same will happen with lethal autonomous weapon systems and less lethal autonomous weapon systems in law enforcement operations. We've just released a, a new report um, 
where we outline five key human rights issues for consideration that states need to address right now, right from the start. Um, and we demonstrate how there are existing semi-autonomous weapon systems on the market out there. Some of them are being used, which uh, can be equipped with uh, less lethal projectiles like uh, tear gas, like pepper ball. They can be equipped with tasers. They can tase people from the sky. Uh, we know that the US, uh, Texas in the US has, has got hold of these weapon systems. And we really urge governments to take this issue seriously because it's not just a conflict issue, it's also a policing issue. And it's inevitable that uh, if there is no prohibition on, on autonomous weapon systems, both in armed conflict and law enforcement operations, this would be a huge, huge loophole and states would use them um, against civilians in everyday life. And I know you have some problems with the term like non-lethal weapons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we believe that no weapon is non-lethal. Every weapon has the potential to be lethal. That's why we specifically use the term less lethal. Um, you could use uh, tear gas uh, in a in a you know in a, in a proportional and, and lawful way, but you could also use excessive tear gas, and and people can be asphyxiated. They can suffer you know breathing problems. They can collapse. So um, we don't believe that non-lethal weapons exist. I know that South Africa is adopting quadcopters. They're selling quadcopters that have pepper spray, and India also now yeah. are developing quadcopters with pepper spray. Could you say something about that? Um, well, we think that the systematic and excessive use of these kinds of um, chemical irritants could result in, in serious human rights violations. So Russia is making the very important point here that any weapons can kill. And so to call them non-lethal makes people think, okay, so those are fine to use. But the term non-lethal really creates a Trojan horse that allows these technologies to creep into civil society without us noticing. I personally really enjoy the progress of technology. It can be put to many good uses in the services of humanity or even just for fun. But it can also be put to very bad uses that creep forward in the greed for power. And it is great that we have people like Russia on the ball watching these developments and warning us. Now on to my second guest, Dr. Steve Wright from Leeds Beckett University. Steve's been working on the proliferation of technologies of human control for more than 30 years now. A lot of this was field research and finding innovative ways to encourage corporate responsibility. Steve has mainly specialised in new policing systems such as sublethal weapon systems, torture techniques and surveillance. I'm not sure that I'm supposed to tell you this, but Steve has done a lot of undercover work at arms fairs, particularly in China, and tests out how easy it is for anyone, including a girls' school as it turns out, to buy weapons like mortars or tanks. But keep this to yourselves for now. Steve is iCrack specialist in less lethal weapon systems. But before turning to this topic, I began by asking Steve if he thought that there were any issues about autonomous weapon systems that the CCW was not dealing with here. I'm a little bit concerned that some of the deeper issues about whether this weapons technology will uh, be deployed simply to make money have been under-addressed. 
Uh, Eisenhower, in his closing address, talked about the power of the military-industrial complex. Massive amounts of money are to be made on this technology, and I'm particularly worried in terms of the context of climate change, where up to a billion people might be moving, that autonomous killing or sublethal weapon systems would be deployed to try and exclude people from survival. We've got new scenarios on the horizon and unpredictability and instability in the the system and I don't want the money that could be spent on resolving those conflicts from a human perspective to line the pockets of people in the media entertainment, university security, media entertainment complex. Now you have a particular expertise in sub-lethal weapons or so-called non-lethal weapons and do you see dangers, human rights dangers there? Yes, because I think that um, the deployment of this technology could be a seduction where everyone agrees that having lethal weapons, making decisions, kill decisions for themselves is a bad thing, but that weapons that don't kill, just cause pain, might be an acceptable substitute. We've already seen um, the evolution of so-called neuromuscular incapacitation weapons that are part of a layered defense strategy involving weird and human notions such as tunable lethality. From my perspective, it means that through the back door, we could get the deployment of weapon systems that people think are not as bad as killing systems, but that have that capacity and we get deployment by default. So I hope it's clear to everyone listening that we can't just leave the issue of autonomous robot weapons to the CCW. It's a very good start, and it hasn't been easy to get other appropriate bodies within the UN to look at the issues. There's been quite a lot of resistance to that for some reason. But it seems pretty clear to me that we need to get the UN Human Rights Council to get involved with less lethal autonomous weapons systems, the laws if you like, with some urgency. So let's leave it there. You can find out more about iCrack podcasts at icrackpodcast.wordpress.com. In the next episode of the CCW iCrack podcast series, we'll be discussing issues about social responsibility, both in the robotics industry and in the artificial intelligence community. My guests will be Ryan Garaipi, CTO of the Canadian robotics company ClearPath Robotics, and Stuart Russell, Professor of Artificial Intelligence at Berkeley University in California. So until then, goodbye for now. I'll be speaking to you soon, and I hope you'll be listening.